Hi, everybody. Welcome to the March 15th, 2019 Ides of March edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the Denver Post issuing an editorial regretting its former endorsement of Cory Gardner in his, two, in his U.S. Senate race in 2014. This comes after Gardner voted against the resolution that would block President Trump's declaration of a national emergency on the southern border. Patty Cahoon from Westward, what was the greater surprise, uh, Gardner's vote or the new editorial released by the Post? I will give those two a tie. On this show, a co- about two months ago, I said something nice about Cory Gardner. I got chastised by a watcher. I said, hey, even a broken clock is right twice a day. In this case, Cory Gardner was very, very wrong with kowtowing to Trump. He reversed what looked like the position he was going to take over a month ago. Uh, he deserves what he got from the Denver Post. I th- thought it was a really fun editorial. We have to remember there have been two editorial page editors in the interim. That was Vince Carroll, who was there in 2014. It's interesting to think, would it have made the difference with Mark Udall's election? So I would say the Post was wrong, like a broken clock. I mean, was right, uh, like a broken clock this time, wrong in two- 2014. If only we were able to get the the viewpoints of the Denver Post this table, it- that's called a preview. Uh, uh, speaking of preview, we are happy to host the triumphant return of our friend Joey Bunch. It is fantastic to have you here, sir. Thank you for being here. The deputy managing editor of Colorado Politics and our own bon vivant of Colorado Inside Out. Uh, Joey, uh, the, a local daily pulls an endorsement, even though it was from... Oh, gosh, almost six years ago. It still seems like a pretty big headline. What do you think? Well, you know, times change. And, you know, six months ago, before the November election, I, I thought this re-election for uh, Corey was his to lose. Now I'm wondering if Democrats can mess it up. You know, but 21 of the 22 uh, Republican senators that are up for re-election voted with the president. You know, the um, uh And Corey, you know, he's got to play for his base. You can't win without your base in Colorado. And he's going to uh, look like he's going to dance with the Republican date that brung him. And that's Donald Trump. You know, Mike Kaufman ran away from uh, from uh, from Trump. And now he's a former House member. So, you know, maybe maybe Corey's got something in mind, but I don't see this as a winning strategy. Eric Sonnen, political analyst, uh, something like this makes big headlines for us, A, quite literally in the Denver Post, but for us in the show, it's fun for us to talk about. Does it stick to Gardner next year? Oh, yeah. Not everything sticks in politics, and new cycles cycle through very mm-hmm. quickly. But this one sticks, and this one will be talked about for some time to come, and you bet it will be talked about uh, come 2020. Uh, we have somebody from the Post who will follow me, so let me use my quick second or two here. Uh, just to talk more about Gardner, piggybacking on what Joey had to say, you know, it's not lost on me either that all of these senators facing re-election, including many from swing states, Tillis from North Carolina, Gardner from Colorado, all went with their base, all went with Trump. It shows you the stranglehold that Donald Trump has on the Republican Party these days uh, and that you, that you violate or you cross Trump at your peril. That said, uh, Cory Gardner might be in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation either way. And I've never been with Joey thinking that his reelection was likely next year. I think he's up against it, and he was going to be up against it no matter what vote he cast here. But, man, he renounced any middle ground. And the weird thing about Cory Gardner is you know if you hooked him up to a lie detector, you know if you got a couple glasses of wine in him, he knows better. He knows what the right vote was. This was purely a vote to kowtow to the rigid Republicans. 
Well, we've been previewing it throughout the first part of the show. Now we have Megan Schrader, editorial page editor at the Denver Post. This was your board's editorial. Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. So it was not a decision we made lightly. Um, we disagree with politicians who we've endorsed previously frequently. They urge them to do something, and, and they don't do it. This one rose to a, a higher level in part because of the the severity of the issue. We feel like Trump has crossed a line that hadn't been crossed before. This is a constitutional challenge, um, and, and we we think that it is a whole new level. Um, and it made us question where Cory Gardner was coming from, what his principles were. It wasn't just a disagreement on policy for this one, for us. Um, and I talked to board members, both both past and current, um, and not all of them, but um, and felt like that there was consensus here. Yeah. I'm sure there's more uh, discussion on that ahead. A bomb cyclone, inland hurricane, or just a good old-fashioned blizzard hit Colorado on Wednesday, shut down DIA for only the fourth time in its history, and made national headlines. Governor Polis issued a state of emergency and called for the Colorado's National Guard help and to get the Guard's help after the blizzard left more than 1,000 drivers stranded throughout the Front Range. Meanwhile, the Colorado State Senate stayed in session throughout the day, and they were the only ones to do so with the governor's office and the state house deciding to take a snow day. Patty Calhoun, you saw a lot of uh, uh, different things this day, the reaction to the storm from city officials, the Senate staying in session. Take your pick at what made your bomb cyclone headline. Well, the fact that we even had anything called the bomb cyclone, you know, blizzards in general, blizzard of 2013, blizzard of 2006, really boring names. So when you have a name like the bomb cyclone, you think it's going to be like Sharknado, the movie. It's just not going to live up to it. In this case, it really did. If you, you know, I was downtown for most of the time, and frankly, it wasn't tough going back and forth on normal business hours. It was just in the middle of the day that was horrible. But on the highways, in an eastern Colorado, and anywhere the wind was blowing, it absolutely lived up to its cyclone thing. I'm not sure bomb also works. Um, it was amazing to see how people pulled together. The people stuck for 24 hours on I-25 or on I-70. The amazing Good Samaritan stories of people helping and shoveling people out, and the truly tragic loss of state trooper Daniel Groves. We've got the flags at half-staff who had stopped to help a stranded motorist. And uh, so it was kind of Colorado in a bomb cyclone microcosm, good, bad, and ugly. Joey, what do you think about the Senate staying in session? Because uh, they, well, Senate President Leroy Garcia came under uh, some pretty decent criticism for staying open for business. And uh, if people wanted to come and testify, it was more difficult to do so. If people emailed what they wanted to have on a comment on a bill that wasn't, weren't necessarily read to the committee, uh, uh, it seemed like an odd political decision and actually being a political decision. Shed some light on it for us. Well, I'm going to say part of my commentary for disgrace of the week. That's a preview. And... But, you know, Colorado weather is a lot like Colorado politics. It changes really fast. And, you know, right now, Republicans are still in Wednesday. But next week, we're supposed to be close to 60. So they can look forward to that. 
you know, this was a, something that really tested the soul of the state on that day, but we moved on from it. And I think we can say the same thing about our politics. I'm going to save the rest of my commentary to, for the disgraceful actions of Republicans and Democrats in the legislature. Well, we sure have reserved so plenty of time for you to disgrace the week there, Joey. Eric, it's not often that a storm lives up to the hype. And frankly, weather forecasters have had a tough 2019. It's going to snow a bunch, and it's just a dusting. It's going to be a dusting, and we got eight inches. Uh, this one hype was big storm was big um what about political follow whether the senate president senate uh, uh in session or even how denver handled snow removal which only uh, what about uh, 40 years ago uh, changed a mayoral campaign certainly did we can flash back to 1983 first of all in terms of weather forecasters i've always really appreciated weather forecasters because they're the only people out there who make political forecasters such as some of us around the table <laughs> look somewhat even accurate by comparison. You know, I can always say, well, I got it closer than the weather guy did. Uh, this storm certainly did live up to its name. The name is an incredible name. I love Bomb Cyclone as a name. I've decided I'm renaming my fantasy football team, Bomb Cyclone. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's too good to pass up. It was stunning how quick, you know, when it came in, how quick and how forceful it came in. I went out that evening after the snow had largely tapered off just to finish some shoveling, and um, and we live more central Denver, so we weren't exposed to some of the real intensity out in the suburbs and uh, certainly out on the eastern plains. But it was amazing when I shoveled off my car. On one side of the car, there were 12 to 15 inches of snow hard packed on that side of the car, and I go to scrape up the other side of the car, and there's nothing on it because it was a wind event uh, as much as it was a snow event. In terms of political fallout, I really don't think a lot. Jared Polis's first big storm, yes, he called out the National Guard, probably the right call given everyone stranded, uh, and Hancock did decently well, passably well. I don't think it's something that can be used as a cudgel against them, a la Bill McNichols, a la 1983. Megan, what do you think? Overall, we saw various headlines, uh, whether it was DIA, National Guard, closed highways, how the city handled removal, uh, the state senate. Uh, take your pick. What stood out to you? Uh, my favorite meme going around on Facebook was of a very well plowed street and it said I love when blizzards come in mayoral election years <laughs> because it's so true that it, that nothing makes you think about what city government does for you as a big storm and when you're pulling out of your driveway to get to work if it's cleared you're thinking things are running pretty well so um, it was my favorite meme um, but the in terms of the Senate staying open you know Leroy Garcia is in a, a tough spot because they have a huge agenda to accomplish in very little time. But at the same time, it's really hard to be sympathetic because they have done that to themselves. They had all of the time in the world to introduce these huge, complicated bills, and they waited and introduced them as late bills. And um, I know that they want to get them accomplished and done, but um, it, it's hard to have sympathy because they could have done it earlier. Sympathy for politicians in Colorado is hard to come by, <laughs> bomb cycling or not. That's a good point. Dulles County commissioners voted unanimously this week to condemn the red flag bill currently proposed in the legislature. Douglas County Sheriff Tony Spurlock, a key supporter of the bill, said the resolution means nothing, that it is, like, it is unlikely the commissioners would take funding away from his office because he was enforcing the law. Joey, I gotta admit here, this was mind-boggling to me. I realize that there's counties out there with sheriff support that want to take a stance on this bill. Uh, we've seen, I think, 12 counties so far. 
for so much dirty laundry to be exposed here between commissioners and a sitting sheriff in a major metro area county uh, was surprising to me to say the least. Your reaction and maybe a reaction you've seen uh, from other uh, political forces? Posturing in politics is always the same with guns. You know, there's a, and there's a big difference between policy and public safety and politics and public safety. <clears throat> we saw the red flag bill introduced last year, and it cost Cole West uh, an up-and-coming Republican who considered running for attorney general. It cost him his seat in the legislature. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough... Guns are going to divide this country um, no matter where it is, if it's Douglas County or if it's D.C. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how we move forward with, a, with an honest discussion on, on this issue as long as um, both sides have got their heels dug in. Will it affect the sheriff? I don't, I don't think so. You know, it's all big talk, and it blows over. But then again, we have elections. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I don't have a good answer. Uh, I, I join you not having a, a good answer. Let's go to a good answer for Eric. Eric, uh, <laughs> you, you, you see a county commissioner group who vote unanimously uh, to condemn this bill and really not so subtly say if their sheriff has the temerity of upholding the law of the land, which they have every right to disagree with, but if he's doing his job, they're going to take away funding. That, that, that seems like a crazy thing to get exposed in the light of all this. It may just seem like idle threats, but at the very least, odd to me. What was your reaction? Well, what makes it even more odd to me, Dominic, is it's all happening within one party. This is not a war between a Democratic sheriff and Republican county commissioners or vice versa. This is all a fight within the Republican Party. To Joey's point, I partially agree, yes, guns are this issue, and I don't know how we reconcile it, that divide this country. But what we are seeing in this case in Douglas County is it's not just the blue-red divide of the country. This is a red-red divide of Douglas County. Don't forget, it's Douglas County that was largely the genesis of this red flag bill due to the shooting a year, maybe going on two years ago now, of Officer Zach Parrish. Uh, and then a couple other officers, one in Colorado Springs, one up in Adams County, in, in rather short order thereafter. Uh, so Douglas County has a particular almost ownership uh, of this bill. Yes, Cole Wist lo largely lost his seat, Representative Cole Wist, because of this bill a year ago. But it wasn't that the Democrats and the pro-gun groups went and got a Republican uh, legislator. It was that the hard right, the Dudley Brown, the Rocky Mountain gun owners, engaged in more political holy war, which is why the Republicans are in the position in Colorado in which they are. Megan, has the has your editorial board taken a position on the red flag bill as it currently sits? Yeah, we supported it completely. And we praised Sheriff Tony Spurlock for his bravery being a Republican supporting this bill. Um, we, you know, we've, I've read the reports that, um, that came out after that shooting of um, Zachary Parrish, and uh, he, that deputy, just, he did everything right, and it still ended wrong. Um, and for... Spurlock to say this is a bill that could have made a difference and I'm going to support it despite the fact that my own county commissioner is going to turn against me for this I think is is really brave um, and I, I interpret Cole West losing his seat entirely different I think that what happened there was he got taken out by the Trump wave just like a whole bunch of people who were supported by the Rocky Mountain gun owners got taken out including Tim Neville himself 
um, and other candidates that the Rocky Mountain gun owners did support. So, you know, I, I can't say that Colvist lost his seat because he supported this bill. I think that this is, I think constituents, by and large, look at this legislation and think this could save lives. This is common sense. Patty, uh, county pulls money from sheriff uh, after following the law named after a deputy. doesn't seem like a headline that uh, the Douglas County commissioners want to see, but one they seemingly welcome with these moves. Maybe it's just posturing, but what's your reaction? Well, and then maybe AG, Colorado AG, weighs in and says you can't pull the money from the sheriff in your county. Shame on the Douglas County commissioners. I mean, we are still seeing if this bill is going to go through. We have, I mean, by all accounts, it looks like it's going to. But to go against their sheriff and to go against a department that clearly has researched this, that has lived through the tragedy, that knows what a difference it might have made, you can understand some of the other counties that essentially have seceded from Colorado out in the eastern plains because of Mother Nature. I mean, the ones who are upset about oil and gas, the ones who are upset about red flag, they're gone. We can't get there anyway. They're uh, cut off by snowfall and lack of highways. But Douglas County doesn't have that excuse. It just seemed the commissioners could have held onto their horses for a little bit, waited, seen how this came out of the legislature, and then maybe discussed with their sheriff how he was going to implement it. But it just looks very, very petty and odd. The state of Colorado filed a lawsuit against the federal government based on withheld public dollars. The lawsuit claims that the Trump administration decided to withhold $2.7 million in public safety funds unless the state enhances its cooperation with immigration enforcement. Eric, uh, the state now joins a variety of other lawsuits around the country against the federal government officially, but about the stance of the Trump administration on immigration enforcement. Is this anything more than political posturing? Is this going to go anywhere, at least in the near future? Well, I can talk about the politics of it and maybe even the posturing of it. Uh, we don't have an attorney. David is not here today, so we don't have an attorney at this table, esteemed uh, in your words, Dominic, <laughs> or otherwise, but uh, we'll make do as best we can. I'm intrigued with this as the first of one, the first of many lawsuits I expect to see perhaps out of Attorney General Phil Weiser. If you flash back to his campaign, it was almost like he was running for Attorney General of the U.S. as much as Attorney General of Colorado. The whole theme was as a counterforce to Donald Trump, as a counterforce to the evil Republicans in Washington. I do not know what the legs of this lawsuit are. I'm told that there have been successful similar legal actions in Los Angeles and Philadelphia, so maybe there's some precedent uh, for it. But the judges will sort that one out. But this is not the last time you're going to see Jared Polis and Phil Weiser standing on a stage announcing a lawsuit against the federal government. Megan, what do you think? A, a brave move? Is it predictable? A little bit of both? What do you think? I think it's definitely predictable um, that they would push back on this. And I, I think that, it, that the federal government shouldn't punish states for policy decisions, even when it's ones they disagree with, especially with unrelated federal funds. It just crosses a line. I think that it was Polis who put it really well when he was saying, what, what policy are they going to come up with next that they're going to force states to, to deal with? And then what are they going to take away? Funding for Medicaid? I mean, it's just a, a really slippery slope. Um, I'm glad that they're standing up to it. Um, and th- th- this policy of sanctuary cities is is a, t- a difficult one. 
um, because there is conflict here where at times, you know, immigration officials have a priority who they want to deport and um, they're not getting the notice they need when they need it to make that happen. And, and those are um, security risks. They're, they can be dangerous, not always, but um, so there is, there is a policy here that needs to be fixed, but this isn't the way to address that. Patty, what do you think about the opportunity the state has of winning this lawsuit? As good as just about all the other ones that states are filing. In this case, they were right to do it. We're not a sanctuary state. I mean, there are sanctuary cities in Colorado, but depending on if they accept that label, it's kind of like John Hickenlooper is a capitalist or not. But the thing is that they this was money that was supposed to be coming to the state. We shouldn't be punished. And what's interesting is now going through the legislature is a bill that would not allow state funds to be used to enforce some federal immigration policies. So we're gonna. This is not the last act in this. Joy, what do you think? It's not the last act, or this is uh, one of several lawsuits we're probably going to see from the state. Well, it's fortuitous that this comes after guns because this is another issue that uh, makes me wonder. If I know what Republicans believe anymore, Republicans used to believe that, you know, that, 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 that we govern best locally, that we, we eschew federalism. But now the Constitution is pretty clear. I remember these Tea Party guys out there in tri-corner hats talking about the Constitution a few years ago. But the Constitution is pretty clear that, you know, states and local governments don't answer to the federal government. Yet I see all these Republicans that, because they disagree with this policy, they're willing to throw the Constitution aside. So, you know, Republicans, get your act together. You know, believe what you believe. And because, you know, as Eric said before, you know, this, is, this speaks as to where the state of the Republican Party is in Colorado and maybe the nation. So I don't know. You know, you're, and Patty's right as well. You know, we have three cities, Boulder, Aurora, and Denver, that you might could call sanctuary cities. But should the rest of the state lose, lose um, federal dollars as well? I don't know. It seems like a, an overreach by the Trump administration. But, um, you know, that's what elections are for. Indeed. Well, it's time for a very, very favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week. As always, Ms. Cahoon, please start us off. Well, speaking of what elections are for, we have all barely recovered from the endless advertising in the November election. And all of a sudden, for those of us who did have power this week and could turn on the television, unlike my managing editor who still doesn't have power two days later, thank you, XL, all of a sudden there are commercials out there for and against the oil and gas bill going through the Colorado legislature. And not just one or two commercials, but lots of them. And we're about to also get a bombardment against Jason Crow coming from the National Republicans. So can we please just have a rest from the political advertisements for a minute? An endorsement for Netflix. There, there has not been a better one from those commercials. <laughs> Joey, your, 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 your promised extra time on Disgrace of the Week. Well, you know, on Monday, the Republicans wanted to slow down the momentum on the oil and gas bill. So they had a 2,000-page bill read verbatim, which took all day. It shut down the Senate that day. So on Wednesday, and while Leroy Garcia might deny it, it felt like payback for Monday. And both both moves seemed incredibly cynical that put people's lives at risk. It wasted a day of the legislature when we supposedly have so much work we need to do. You know, and both sides have their reasons for doing it, but it does nothing but feed public cynicism about how government operates in Colorado. And to me, that's disgraceful. 
Yeah, if you need the stuff of nightmares, listening to that audio of the five computers all so like Hal, Hal from 2001 needing an exorcism, it was a little scary. Uh, Eric, your disgrace of the week. Well, I was actually thinking the five of us should all do it simultaneously in really <laughs> rapid-fire form because that is so listenable. We could just call it CNN on a daily basis. Um, there's so many possibilities out here. I'm not sure if this is, should be a disgrace or say something nice. I want to talk about the Southern Poverty Law Center which yesterday fired their founder and longtime head, a guy named Morris Dees. This is an organization whose roots are incredibly honorable, whose purpose of calling out hate in all its forms in this country is incredibly honorable and definitely necessary uh, at the moment and historically, but who has, and, and led by Morris Dees, who is finally hitting the curb where he should have hit uh, years or decades ago has wandered into some really questionable territory. Uh, so maybe they did the right thing by saying goodbye to their founder, but they need to do more than that to recapture their credibility and their integrity as the arbiter of some of these important issues. Megan. Um, I was going to weigh in just like Joey did on what's going on in the state capitol because it is always it always plays out this way frequently where towards the end of session the minority party tries to slow things down and drag it out letting the clock be the only regulator for what can be accomplished this year um, and I think it was a misstep for uh, Senate Democrats to try and cut corners and have those computers read the bills I know it sounds silly but it's in the rules that the Republicans can request a bill to be read at length and and they have to account for that when they're planning their timing. And then to to come up with this plan to to cut that corner just seemed ridiculous. Time to say something nice about somebody, Patty. Well, it's Sunshine Week, so you've seen a lot of stories about the difference journalists make, especially journalists who are fighting every step of the way to get access to information that is frequently withheld. So good for the journalists who are keeping up the fight. You're here. Joey. My list is very long. You referenced it at the top of the show. I had a major heart attack in uh, December, and it was touch and go there. But, um, you know, I want to say thank you to my Colorado Inside Out family, all my friends around this table, our viewers by extension, and all the love and support I've received. It's, it's changed me as a person and my, my view of people. Joey, we've had a lot of great moments around this table. Seeing you back here uh, is uh, definitely the top of our list. Good, good for you. Eric. Two real quickly. First, welcome back, Joey Bunch. It is good to have you here in, 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 in all respects. Secondly, the people of New Zealand uh, and what they're going through at the moment, uh, just completely horrific. Megan. Um, Joey, yeah, just so glad that you're here. Um, and the, um, uh, the New Zealand tragedy is just heartbreaking, and, um, you know, we're, we're with them and thinking of them. You're here. Well, if you're enjoying this show and you're already a member of our station, I want to take a, time, take a moment to thank you so much for making it possible. If you're not a member yet, remember, you can support not only this show, but all the great shows and programming we have on Colorado Public Television. And we have a new member benefit for you when you do that. You can now enjoy 24-7 access to great PBS and CPT-12 programs wherever and whenever you wish on CPT-12 Passport. Go to CPT12.org for more information. That is all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. For everybody here at CPT12, thank you so much for watching. I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Good night. Mm -hmm.